everyone this is monisha your podcast host welcome to another episode of newcomers to trailblazers the podcast where we explore the fascinating stories of experience of individuals who have embraced and celebrated their diverse backgrounds today we have an extraordinary guest joining us someone who truly embodies the concept of a global citizen Imagine growing up in Manitoba, Canada, surrounded by a tapestry of indigenous cultures. Our guest, a fourth culture kid, has Chinese and South Asian ancestry, and this unique blend of influences has shaped her perspective in remarkable ways. Her journey has been one of the constant discovery, fostering a deep appreciation for cultural diversity. Now our guest has taken her experiences and expertise to whole new heights. She is a trusted consultant and coach in the inclusion, diversity and equity space, helping organizations navigate the complexities of these important subjects. But her impact doesn't stop there. As a co-host of the DEI and Reconciliation Roundtable with the CPHR BC and Yukon Association, she actively engages in the HR community. sparking vital conversations and promoting learning and growth so prepare to be inspired and enlightened as we delve deep into the world of inclusion diversity and equity with our incredible guest welcome tanya welcome to the show how are you thanks for inviting me appreciate that this is a saturday today to the listeners and i have tortured her into coming into the studio for recording the session how how are you feeling on a saturday morning Good, good, and and I will say to kind of give your your listeners a little. If my voice sounds a little scratchy because over the holidays I was quite a bit sick, so but we're here, we're good. I'm I'm happy to be here and I can share some information. So let's deep dive into the questions. So as a fourth culture kid, I mentioned that in the introduction, you are a fourth culture kid. What does that mean, and how has it shaped your heritage? Sure, and, and thanks for the question. That's a great question. And Manisha, as you said in my introduction, my ancestry—I'm of Chinese and South Asian ancestry—but moving to Canada, especially more of Central Canada, um, at a young age, I would have to say initially it was really about assimilating to my surroundings and the cultural influences of others. And those others, of the individuals and the cultures, were German, Ukrainian, Polish, and as you mentioned, Indigenous communities. However, as I got older, and perhaps as I found my voice, um, I really moved my aspects and my thoughts and my perspectives towards more of an integration rather than assimilation. And I think that's really important because what that does with the integration is about appreciating my own ancestry, the Chinese and South Asian side, and the culture and heritage, but also approaching other cultural heritage and communities with real curiosity and appreciation. So I think that for being that kind of that third culture, where the fourth culture kid or adult now, um, it's really about looking at an appreciation, but curiosity as well. Curiosity and appreciation. I think when new immigrants, especially, move to Canada, I have always recommended them to be curious about understanding of new culture and. Uh, not be change resistant to learn about it. I think something that you have learned along the way. Do you think that our new immigrants are curious in your experience? I would say they are, and and 
It's it's about being curious and knowing, coming with curiosity and knowing that sometimes we're going to make mistakes. It is a trial and error, right? And with that curiosity, it, it has to be that we're able to shift out of our comfort zones mm-hmm. because our comfort zone is maybe where we're going to hang out with people that speak the same language or have the same cultural backgrounds. But when we can push out of that comfort zone and get past the fears, though, mm-hmm. that's where that learning comes from. Mm-hmm. And when the learning occurs, then we move into the growth zone, which is so exciting because then that's where we can actually help others and also lift pieces up. Speaking about comfort zone and curiosity and making mistakes and learning from them, why do why do people in Canada introduce themselves with their pronouns? It's always fascinated me. And how does it promote inclusivity and understanding? Absolutely. So um, for me, my my pronouns, are my personal pronouns are she, her. And I find that introducing yourself or, or just myself itself with pronouns is a way to express and normalize an individual's gender identity. Um, it creates and promotes the inclusive and respectful environments by allowing individuals to share their personal pronouns rather than assuming what someone's pronouns are. And that's where, and it really is about gender identity because gender identity and um, our gender expression may not be succinct. So what we see may not really reflect what someone's personal pronouns are. And it's important because what we're also doing is we're supporting our transgender and non-binary individuals and communities by allowing them to utilize their personal pronouns. And it's a solid respect. Okay. So every conversation, especially in Canada, I've realized there is an effort to make the conversation respectful. Hmm. And it is important that uh, by introducing yourselves with your uh, respective pronoun, you're adding more to that respect and value. It's kind of interesting, actually. When I moved, I was uh, trying to understand. I realized I understand what pronouns were. I understood why it is introduced and I understood um, why people inculcate into a habit. But I do not understand the respect and value behind it. It's actually very helpful when it comes from experts like you and listeners like new immigrants like me. And thank you. Thank you for that explanation. One other thing I realized, uh, especially at workplace and the conferences that I attend and the meetings that I attend, land acknowledgement. So land acknowledgement is something uh, I was moved by it. And when I moved to Canada, I did not know what that meant. So can you explain what it means and why it is practiced, especially in every meeting, in every conference, in every, uh, you know, introduction session or or, uh, gathering, we do land acknowledgement. Why is that? Sure. And and I really appreciate um, starting meetings like we could have today. It was just, you know, but starting meetings with a land acknowledgement is really a way to centralize and, and bring us um, set our foundation for a way to recognize and respect the Indigenous peoples that have lived here since time immemorial. It's acknowledging the traditional territories to the understanding and addressing also the history of colonization, right? Then acknowledgements I find aim to promote the awareness and honoring Indigenous ways of knowing, learning, sharing, and being one with the land. And a lot of times for us, land, and and I will say even for myself, through my own journey and learning, um, 
Land is really something that is sacred to all of us, whether or not we consider it or whether we're conscious of it. Land is something, it's where we play, we live, we eat and experience our lives. And the land is always ever-changing and it's always shifting, but it's giving us what we need. And so it's an infinite way of gifts and lessons. And that really speaks to the Indigenous communities that I'm connected with of how they respect the lands because we're all interconnected. The land is very much a part of who we are um, as well. And you have specifically mentioned that uh, with its respect to Indigenous cultures and their upbringing and their ancestry, it is important to talk about land acknowledgements. For new immigrants, how crucial it is to learn about Indigenous cultures and history in Canada? And where can they find resources to educate themselves about it? Another great question, because I think for anybody who has moved to a new country, mm -hmm. how do you create your own awareness? How do you build your knowledge? And it's very important, I find that for the indigenous culture is the first culture of these lands, right? As I say, they've been present, not just past, but they are still present and, and our future. Um, they are still very present in these lands. And for the indigenous communities, they're the stewards of the land. So the history has also, in some ways, has been eliminated through colonization. So mm -hmm. for us, it's about learning the history and and respecting the indigenous cultures histories and traditions and when we can do that through cultural awareness and respect it really does foster this cultural awareness contributing to the inclusive and um, equitable society right and that's where kind of we think of reconciliation the learning in itself it's about reconciliation but in order for us to have that reconciliation, we also need to take the time to understand the history of the colonization that's happened here in Canada, um, especially as it relates to our Indigenous communities and the impact that it's had on the Indigenous communities. And I would say of Turtle Island, you'll hear a lot of times too, it's referred to as Turtle Island rather than Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so if we don't take the time to know and understand the truth, how can we actually move towards reconciliation? And truth comes from learning the history as well. And so gaining knowledge about the Indigenous cultures and history is taking proactive steps. It's not being passive, waiting for the information to come to you. But I would say at times you can take, be proactive um, towards building equitable, inclusive, and interconnected communities through Pope Canada and the Indigenous communities who are more are that. So some resources, there's tons out there, mm -hmm. uh, but some of them that I have found really helpful within my own journey, mm -hmm. is, there's some really great podcasts. Okay. Um, For my ours being one of them, just so you know. Um, yes. Sorry. CBC actually did an amazing podcast of Cooper Island. It's actually an island here off the coast of Vancouver. And it goes through a series, I think it was about eight. Um. But it talks with individuals that have actually are survivors from residential schools. Visiting museums, 
there are a lot of things here, like going into your local libraries. I know recently I was at the Surrey Library and there's like a stack of indigenous reads. Mm -hmm. So there's great opportunities that you can read history. You can read about community, mm -hmm. but you're hearing it and learning about it through indigenous voices rather than a colonial voice. Um, there's also some really great opportunities like audiobooks, Netflix, and some other documentaries that are out there. Um, visiting powwows are great mm -hmm. if you have an opportunity. Um, as the spring season comes, and especially during the summer, there's some great powwows for individuals to take into. And the Indigenous community is very open and welcome. Mm -hmm. They want... The powers are not restricted. Powers are not restricted to just Indigenous communities, but also non-Indigenous communities. Because mm -hmm. it's a way to bring culture and heritage together and to share mm -hmm. as well. So I think those are some areas. Um, and the biggest one, especially as we know, uh, community events that are occur. Mm -hmm. So Warren Shirt Day, also known as National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, mm -hmm. um, which is turn the 30th, has great opportunities that a lot of community events will occur. And it allows that, again, for that sharing and learning. And I'd say, as I said, the proactive steps, it's about listening, mm -hmm. learning, relearning, mm -hmm. and also a lot of unlearning that has to occur for us. Uh, when I was a new immigrant and I realized there is a holiday on Truth and Reconciliation Day, I was just then moved, right? So back where I come from, holidays are supposed to be celebrated. And that is one misconsumption that I have. Um, and then I obviously researched about it, like some of the resources that you mentioned about some Netflix documentaries and podcasts. And then I realized not all holidays are for celebrations. It is for acknowledgement and to appreciate and respect the history that has happened and how reconciliation plays a big role in that. And especially for new immigrants and to you listeners, before we assume that holidays are meant to be for celebration, it is important that you understand and learn from it and you research about it. And like Tanya specifically mentioned, unlearn the concept and relearn and understand that it is, it is, it was colonized and we are reconciling today. And it is important that you play a part in it. So thank you for that enlightenment. <laughs> and that's so true because, you know, National Day of Truth and Right and Salvation, Orange Shirt Day, one of the things is where even where you're buying an orange shirt, mm -hmm. buy it from the Indigenous communities, buy it from your local friendship centers, because you know the funds are going back really? into the Indigenous community. Um and, it, and again, it's a great opportunity, but it is a way to, as you're saying as well, is acknowledging, mm -hmm. understanding the past history of race relations that have occurred here in Canada. And how do we, as newcomers, as, as an immigrant settler or what have you, like how do we um, move forward in that? But how do we do that together rather than it being siloed? But how do you walk the, how do you walk this journey with everybody? And, and everybody definitely has to include our indigenous communities. Like you rightly mentioned, immigrant settler, right? That's where we are leaning towards right now. And 
when I introduce myself in a meeting or a conference that I go to, I introduce saying, hey, I moved to Canada in May 2022. I'm an immigrant settler. So as an immigrant settler, can you explain what that term means? And is it disrespectful to identify yourself as a Canadian? No, and that's a great question because even for myself, like I, I still introduce myself as an immigrant settler, even though I came at a very young age and that's been eons ago. Um, it, to me, introductions of an immigrant settler means that I'm not born of this country, nor am I of indigenous ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was settler, so for example, if I was actually born here in Canada, mm-hmm. I would still consider myself to be a settler because, again, that I am not of indigenous um, ancestry, right? So acknowledging as an immigrant and a settler, I would hope that it promotes the reflection of the responsibilities and relationships of newcomers with the historical and the ongoing impact of settler colonization. Um, and the, the second part of your question was, is it being disrespectful to be, to identify as Canadian? I think it really depends on the context. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I'm traveling mm-hmm. overseas or I'm living overseas, I identify as Canadian, Thais, mm-hmm. and South Asian ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, when I'm in Canada, mm-hmm. I'm referring to myself as an immigrant settler. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it do, does depend on the context, but um, I am always first and foremost. I know that I'm Canadian, but I'm a Canadian through immigration and, and being a settler in this country. Okay, okay. That is that is eye-opening, actually. So many people refer to themselves as Canadian, even um, during the meetings and um, catch-ups, right? And then I realize, what does Canadian really mean? Like, everybody is an immigrant. Everybody, except for the indigenous uh, community, everybody is an immigrant. And what does Canadian really mean? And you have clarified that very clearly for us. Thank you. Manisha, what you're saying is when someone identifies saying I'm Canadian, okay, well, maybe they themselves don't have an immigration story per se, mm-hmm. but maybe they have their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents' immigration story. Mm-hmm. So that way, again, it builds that community, right? It mm-hmm. builds that understanding. Um, so, yeah, so I always say when someone says they're Canadian, I'm like, okay, what about like your parents or what is your immigration story? Because it may not be my generational and marine story, but it might be a past parent or grandparent or great grandparent. Second or third generation immigrant story. Yeah. Yeah. As a coach for new immigrants, what are the most common questions you receive from them on a regular basis? The first and foremost is always say, I want to improve my English. Oh, and English is not your first language. Yeah. And for many um, newcomers, English is not the first, second, or even the third language. Yes. yes. It's, it's very much here. I think if we're on the West Coast of Canada, it's a very, you know, English is spoken here, yes. It's a business language, but there's so many other languages. Yes. And in Canada, we know it's a bilingual with French and English. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, very, the biggest one I always get is how do I improve my English? So one of the things that I have done myself mm-hmm. when I lived in China and I was learning to try and improve my Mandarin, mm-hmm. I would actually join 
like soccer fan clubs or maybe my opportunity where I could practice my Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So again, it's stepping out of that comfort zone mm -hmm. to get it past the fear zone. And so it really is about considering to going to activities or events that perhaps are in the language that you're wanting to improve in. Mm -hmm. So for me in China, it was about going specifically to areas that I knew there were predominantly Mandarin speakers. Mm -hmm. um, if you're learning Spanish, go somewhere that you can specifically improve your Spanish. So English is one of the biggest ones. The second question I get is how can I share my work experience in education, mm -hmm. right? Especially when it's from another country. So. For your listeners, when you're looking to either, um, and even when someone says Canadian experience, that's a whole other different. But when you're looking to actually apply for positions or you're in that position where you're in that stage of your job seeking, mm -hmm. rather than looking at highlighting the of where mm -hmm. you've received your education experience, I'm really saying highlight the transferability mm -hmm. of your work experience, your education skills, and those lived experience, because I think it's really important. The transferability of that work and experience can, can be really helpful for us here in Canada or for any countries as we're looking to improve and increase our economies and opportunity. You have spoken about especially speaking in English, and you have spoken about how do you improve your language skills. And there comes along the communication skills, right? Mm -hmm. There is always a confusion between language skills and communication skills. But yeah, let's talk about communication per se. What is a small talk? What is a Canadian small talk? And why is it important, especially in networking situations? Great question. I'm not even sure what Canadian, and I, 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 I should be listeners, I'm using air quotes right now for the Canadian component of small talk. I think small talk in itself, though, for me, mm -hmm. whether it be Canadian or whichever country is associated, mm -hmm. but I think small talk in itself about getting to know a person outside of what they do for work. Okay. Because yes, work is a component of your life, but there's mm -hmm. so much more to you, Manisha, myself, mm -hmm. and others as your listeners. You're not just what you do. Oh, it's so true. So true, but you're not what you do. No, like work is a part of you, but there's a whole other part of you. So I think that small talk mm -hmm. is really about getting to know the person as the person. Um, and and so it can really help build that room for it and then trust. Mm -hmm. And when we're thinking of it in a networking situation, mm -hmm. when we're actually utilizing some small talk, like say, for example, if you're at a conference mm -hmm. or at a meeting, you'd be like, oh, was it easy? You know, how was your travel here? Did you, mm -hmm. did you drive? Did you transit? Like you can start building on that. And those simple questions can actually help uncover some commonality between individuals mm -hmm. and or like even companies. So if you're at a, at a meeting or a conference going, oh, actually, well, no, like I live out in the Fraser Valley, so I have to do that. Oh, hey, I don't live out there. Which way are you? And you're starting to build those connections and building that commonality. Mm -hmm. And that in itself starts to build the rapport and the trust. I would like to highlight something. Uh, where I come from and many other cultures in Asia and uh, some parts of Europe, I've realized that there is no, uh, there is minimal small talk. No is, I wouldn't say no, but there is minimal small talk. 
people just get right into it right like okay fine so you know what what is the project status and you are even if there is small talk it is mostly related to what work you do given it's important because yes work is a part of us but it's not all of us yeah right yes when you go home and i know sometimes people saying well work is work life is life but they are intersecting yeah and and so you can't leave work at the door and you can't leave your personal life at the door either mm -hmm. they are they are you and that's why i think it's really important because we're looking at the whole person no i'm just you know and sometimes as you even did my introduction part of me sometimes i'm like yeah, you go to my LinkedIn profile, you could see all my organizational companies and the boards and things like that. But that's just a part of it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to get to know the whole person. And that's why for me, mm -hmm. I feel small talk can really help build that. Now that we have spoken about small talk and language skills and communication, let's talk about specific to respectful communication. How can we help new immigrants develop respectful communication as a habit? Sure. Okay. Here's we're starting the new year and a lot of people have New Year's resolutions, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about creating a habit and a habit cannot occur and not happen overnight. It takes time and it takes practice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's maybe two steps forward, one step back, one step sideways, but it's being active. And again, it's being that proactive. So, um, some areas where you can consider to build your uh, respectful communication is local libraries have some great resources and communication for newcomers. They mm -hmm. even have like opportunities that you can build and get to know individuals. Mm -hmm. Again, practicing a bit of that small talk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, some other resources or things that can help is there's Toastmasters and Toastmasters is international. Yeah. But Toastmasters is a great way of not just helping individuals within respect to their public speaking, mm -hmm. but it can also build in build networks. Mm -hmm. But you can also and, and by all means this podcast is not promoted by uh, Toastmasters. Yeah. You know, it's not sponsored, but I think it's a great opportunity that it helps you even thinking off of your feet, thinking on your toes, mm -hmm. giving an idea or a thought, be like, just present talk, just talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I don't know if these still exist, but meetup groups, I know I used to attend a lot of meetup groups mm -hmm. COVID, mm -hmm. but I found those were really great because it helps you build your communication with local English speakers. Again, if that's one you're wanting to do, is build on those English language skills of communication. Um, networking opportunity and again it goes back to that stepping outside of that comfort zone right mm -hmm. into the fear and and i would say if someone is wanting to develop mm -hmm. start with one thing yes just one thing mm -hmm. right and build on that and then as you get comfortable like as we say with pronoun mm -hmm. just introducing yourself hello my name is tanya pronoun my pronouns are she her mm -hmm. Just starting with that one thing, as you get comfortable and it part becomes part of your everyday communication and introductions of yourself, mm -hmm. then add something in there, mm -hmm. and then build on that. And and I think that really helps because then a habit will become part of your everyday communication styles as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's really about you know being active but mm -hmm. intentional, but definitely be takes time makes it takes time and practice it, it cannot happen overnight for it to really stick 
happen overnight or just in 21 days, right? And that's so true because, and, and I think part of it is um, when, if you're trying to practice or improve on your communication, mm-hmm. are you hanging out your friends? Are you, are you hanging out or going to places that are again in that comfort zone? Mm-hmm. That, you know, everybody is from, they speak the same language, they're from the same culture or ancestry background. So mm-hmm. is that going to help you or is it going to keep you in that comfort zone? You've spoken about transferable skills. You've, sp- uh, you've also spoken about adding value to, uh, you know, job search and all of that. And specifically something you mentioned was lived experience. What is a lived experience and why is it important to share that lived experience of people, especially within indigenous communities? For me, lived experience is is unique and personal to each individual. Mm-hmm. If I even think of my two older siblings, mm-hmm. we have such different lived experiences because of the way that our personal knowledge, our perspectives, and even the insights we've gained mm-hmm. right, through our own lives and the involvement and potentially the exposure to life circumstances and situations. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important is my lived experiences, as I said, are going to be different from my siblings. They'll be different from you, Manisha, and and even to our listeners. Mm -hmm. And when it reflects to the Indigenous communities, lived experience is very important in discussing Indigenous rights, self-determination, and representation. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, when we're looking at building our knowledge of Indigenous communities, it's about supporting the Indigenous communities and hearing their voices. So that, again, is listening from and with our indigenous communities um, and their lived experience. It's really about emphasizing the importance of understanding the indigenous issues from within community rather than us potentially as outsiders imposing what we believe others may need mm-hmm. when we haven't lived their experiences, when we have not lived the path or walked the path that they have. So considering the voices and the narratives of individuals and communities that are directly impacted. Um, and so for me, it really is important for those lived experiences, whether historical injustices, um, colonization, and also very much ongoing challenges that Indigenous communities face today. This was very educational. <laughs> so um, overall, during the session, we have spoken about stepping out of your comfort zone, um, unlearning and relearning. We have also spoken about being, being curious, being respectful and having uh, asking questions that are relevant, their pronouns or lived experiences and all of that, right? So much, so much takeaways that we have. If you have to give that one advice to a new immigrant landing in Canada today, what would it be? I think it's oh, coming to a new country or a new place with curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the curiosity can really keep us engaged mm-hmm. and doing it in a very intentional and respectful way. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, goes back to the whole learning and unlearning and relearning, right? And we do that when we listen. Mm-hmm. So listen to the communities that have been here. Listen to the individuals around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be mindful of if if you're hearing one story, 
consider the opposite side. Like you need to have the balancing loop rather than the reinforcing. Mm-hmm. So, but curiosity is a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. And it's about being curious of people mm-hmm. and of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is not only the mother of invention. Curiosity is also the mother of respect and value creation and whatnot, right? Absolutely. And I think when you do it respectfully, that's where um, I always find it's important to create that opportunity where it's an invitation Mm -hmm. of having a seat at the table rather than imposing it. Mm-hmm. So come with that curiosity, but do it in an inviting way rather than in a pulse. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya, for being a guest on our podcast show, Newcomers to Trailblazers. Your trailblazing spirit is truly inspiring. We are thrilled to have you here. We had an incredible time with you as you shared your journey and your tips. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, we encourage you to do so. We release episodes bi-weekly and can be found on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok for more exciting updates. Take care. Ciao. Thank you, Danya. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.